and welcome to the Clock End Talk. I'm your host, Tez, and thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can follow us at clockend underscore talk. Um, Tony, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I had a, a bit of a merry day yesterday celebrating uh, football coming home or getting closer to coming home. Um, so I'm a little bit worse for wear, but it's a happy worse for wear. So I'll fucking touch, really I'll, t- I'll touch on the old oh, football's coming home later. You've literally done my head in this week with that. You and every other pommy fucking clown over there. Um, Coming home, lads. (laughs) Um, Now, Schwinn, he's not with us today. Uh, I think he's a little bit upset. There was Germany, then there was Colombia, and he's, you know, still a bit uh, visa issues trying to get into Mexico. So he's not with us this week. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we have uh, Guna Gimli. How are you, Gim? Oh, Schwim wants to be careful he doesn't end up in a cage, doesn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, that, is that what they're doing over there? <laughs> yeah, mate. Oh, um, <laughs> he's, he, he was trying to get into the Mexican border, but I, I think they let him. They, they didn't let him in, so he's, oh. uh, he's completely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Best wishes to him. We, we love Schwim, <laughs> we, we? We do, we do. We miss him, we miss him heaps. So uh, he'll be back with us next week, no doubt, and... He'll be listening to this podcast. Uh, but anyway, how are you been, mate? Yeah, um, it's been lovely. We're having some awesome weather. The football is brilliant. Um, I'm not going to get wrapped up with the football's coming home thing because, you know, it's already been said. Although I will say there is something that I get a strange kick of driving around in Wales with that song blaring fully in the car. <laughs> the looks I've got. I literally went through the town centre of where I lived. It's quite rough. I thought I was going to get stabbed. <laughs> so, you're, so you're on England's side? Um, do you know what? I went into the tournament and I was like, fuck that. There's practically no Arsenal in there. It's mostly Tottenham. How can I, how can I cheer a team that most of the league season I'm, I'm cunting off? But I've got a bit wrapped up with it now. I, I'd still hand on heart. I haven't celebrated when any Tottenham player has scored. But as a nation, I would like to see them do well because I'm English. So uh, and and the 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 saltiness on Facebook from from my Welsh friends is unreal and it's been a pleasure to read. <laughs> Sounds like you're having way too much fun. <laughs> oh, it's like I said, this summer's been epic. Good weather, good football, and and lots of bitterness. <laughs> well, that bitterness you're going to hear from Tez in a minute because I've been getting it all week. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's going to pretend it's not some. It's not an achievement because Australia have never heard of a World Cup semi-final. <laughs> now he's yeah. up. He's up. Now we had a group of Denmark, France, and and Peru. Now who was in your group again? Well, Belgium are in the other semi-final, so it weren't too. It weren't too bad, was it? <laughs> and it says the only time an Aussie sees a semi is when he's with his Sheila. Is that right? <laughs> well, they watched, we, uh, they, they watched England yesterday and saw the Swedish birds in the crowd, so they got a semi as well. <clears throat> oh, speaking of which, has anyone seen the, um, is it the president of Croatia? Oh, my God. Is that the Sheila? The chick? Yeah, yes. I, I've not yes, seen yes. her. She's been travelling to the, to the games with the fans, but I've not seen her. Oh, mate. Give her a search. <laughs> she. All I'm saying is she is something else. I think the cameras keep going up to her. She's up in the grandstand or something with the fans and whatnot, isn't she? I, I think yeah, she yeah, needs she... to stop wearing bikinis. <laughs> like, who does that? Would you see Theresa May in a bikini? Oh, that would probably oh, turn me gay. <laughs> would you want to? 
Yeah, I hope not. Fuck it, Elle. So football's coming home, Tony, is it? Uh, Up against Croatia? Everyone that listens knows I absolutely don't believe it's coming home, but I'm going to enjoy myself while it lasts because this is the best chance England will ever have in my lifetime. So am I actually thinking we're going to win the World Cup and get it tattooed on my face? No. Am I going to enjoy that we look like we have half a chance? Absolutely. I um I, I think you'll I, look. I, I think you'll beat Croatia, and it's only only because of Croatia with the two penalty shoot, shootouts that they've had that's got to take a bit of toll out of the side. Um, yeah, I mean they're a completely different side to to what we've faced so far. We've not. I mean they're they're not the best, but they can keep the ball, and we haven't played anyone, including the Belgium team we played. And I know both teams had B teams out, but. No one's looked to dominate the ball against us, so I don't know how we react to a team that can can keep the ball well. Um, I think in in many ways they're going to be quite similar to us in that they'll play Mandzukic down the middle and they'll try and get the ball, they'll try and keep the ball through their very good midfielders and get it wide to get crosses into him. Uh, I think we're similar in that way. I think we're probably a bit stronger at the back than they are, but it will just be interesting because no one knows how England are going to play against a team that actually want the ball. Whereas like teams like Sweden yesterday. Uh, will happily say, like, please take the ball. We don't want it. They did not want the ball. I think that's the worst I think I've seen Pro- Sweden play. Sorry, you. I, 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 thought... I was just going to... Sorry, I was going to say that I don't think that our midfielders will get the freedom against Croatia that they had against Sweden. Definitely uh, not. Well, the thing, and they'll be chasing a lot more because Rakitic and, and Modric and whoever plays either Brozovic or uh, Kovacic, they can all, they're all very good at keeping the ball. They're all top players. So not only will we not get the freedom when we've got the ball, getting the ball back will be a hell of a lot harder because Sweden, they were going long mainly and you know you're either going to win it back or it's going to go out for a set piece. But Whereas Croatia will happily keep the ball for five minutes. Sweden don't keep the ball for five passes. Hmm. Uh, what do you reckon, Gim? Uh, you think England have got it? They'll, they'll get over? Um, I think I stand with it a bit. Well, a bit exactly like Tony. Um, you know, it's nice to ride the wave of it. It's nice to see, you know, things on the news with, and, and pundits believing that it's going to come home. But I think, in reality, I think Croatia might have a little bit too much for us. I think the only, the only way we're going to get through that one is if, if, like you said, Tez, um, the last two games and playing ninety minutes and then stoppages and then penalties will maybe catch up with them. But one thing I will say is from watching England yesterday, the passing and moving of, of that team is it's unlike any England we've seen for a while. I mean, that move that put uh, Sterling through when he was offside was absolutely sublime. It's almost as if we were kind of watching Spain there. But I think when it comes to it, I think they're going to be a bit short. But it's nice to see that they've got a team that is jowled. It's nice to see that they've got a manager because I was really critical of, of Southgate going into the competition. Why didn't you take Wilshire? Why didn't you take Shelby? But he's got a good group of boys there that seem well jowled, that they're having fun. And, and sometimes all it takes is morale to take you to the next level. And who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But no, I think Croatia might be just a step too far for us. Yeah, yeah. Just look. Since we're talking about the game, I've I've got to have a shout out for Pickford. I thought he was brilliant for you guys yesterday. Mm, uh, mm. It's, uh, and I, I we've said it many times as well, Tony, that that we don't really, we've never really rated him. But I tell you what, he's been outstanding for you guys. Well, 
look, yesterday he was good, but and look, everyone knows I don't rate him. But the, the save from Berg's header was exceptional. That the second save low down one, you should save it. If that goes in, everyone blames the keeper. But when they do save it, everyone acts like it's a fantastic save. But my problem with Pickford is he, he's got hard hands. He pushes absolutely everything back out in front of him. And that second save low down, he made the, the cardinal sin. He pushed it straight back out in front of him. Luckily, Henderson got the block in, and now everyone forgets where the ball went. But my problem with Pickford has always been that, that he pushes every shot he saves, goes straight back forward. He never tips anything around the post, or very rarely. Um, so I just think he's he's displayed his usual flaws. He just hasn't been punished for them. Having said that, we know he's a good shot stopper. Mm. His save against Colombia in the last minute is, for me, the save of the tournament. And I'm not saying that because I'm English. I thought it was unbelievable. But... And, and as I said, the save from Berg was very good. But he's still got, he still makes exactly the same errors. He just hasn't been punished for them yet. Mm-hmm. I'll I tell you, I, I think if you put Pig, if, if Pickwood went to uh, Liverpool, I think Liverpool would have a very good shot of the title. I, I, I think they've, they've strengthened well. And uh, I think the only thing that they're really missing is... is uh, and I disagree with you, Tony. From what I've seen for Pickford, you can only go on, on stats and, and how he's performed and this World Cup, he's probably been one of the, the keepers of the tournament. I agree with that, but that's because the errors he makes haven't been punished. Like, as in his error, he, he makes the same error time and time again. Go and watch clips of him. Every shot he saves, he pushes out back in front of him. Even against us this year, we were 1-0 down. Someone, I think it was Xhaka, had a shot from miles out. Should have been a comfortable save. Pickford pushes it back out in front of him. Monreal scores. We go on to win that game 5-2. And I think another one of the goals came from him saving and pushing it back out. He's just got away with that. He's done the same thing this whole tournament. But it's just by hook or by crook, not falling to the striker. And yesterday's one did. But as I said, Henderson got the block in. I just think he makes the same mistake over and over. He's got very hard hands. And it, it is a strength at times. Having hard, If he didn't have hard hands, he wouldn't have saved the last Colombian penalty. I can't remember who it was. Because you have to have a very strong hand to save that ball and not hit your hand and go in. But in, in general open play... He pushes way too much out in front of him rather than tipping it around the post or over the bar. He's only young, That's though, isn't he? He's only, what, 20, 23, 24? Yeah, yeah. But it's just something that he's always had. As I said, I, I, w- I would probably put him as the best keeper so far in the tournament. But that's because the mistakes he has made and always makes just haven't been punished. And hopefully they don't. Look, I'm an England fan. I want him to be a 10 out of 10 every week. But I, I'm this, none of these performances have made me say, actually, I was wrong. He's a top keeper. And I'm more than... Happy to admit if I'm wrong about someone. But for me, I've just seen the same mistakes, just he's got away with them. Okay, so Gimli's going Croatia, and Tony, you're hoping England will get over. Yeah, of course I am. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to go England as well, I think. Um, okay, so each... I'll pick Croatia, because you want us to lose every week and we win. Pick Croatia. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've changed my mind. I've actually thought about it, because every time I go against you, Clowns, you just fucking win. Yeah, that's so, why I want you to go to Croatia. No, no, we're going England, mate. England 4-2. Four, four, that's it then. Croatia got this. <laughs> Croatia yeah. got it for sure. Um, <laughs> now, every week we've been doing fucking... And football is not fucking coming home, okay? Fuck your home. Stick it up your ass. It's not coming home. Um, <laughs> and I... Uh, actually, there's an argument for Belgium too. Isn't, isn't uh, football coming home? So many fucking uh, Belgian players in the English Premier League now. Yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> I just had to throw it out there. Um, 
Okay, so every week we've been doing the World Cup, a good, the bad and the ugly. So our last podcast was June 30, France v Argentina. Um, so there's been a few games since then, Tony. So what's your good, mate? Um, I've I got as I've just spent 10 minutes hammering him. Pickford save against Colombia. It, that would have been played over and over again had they not scored from the result in corner. But... As I said, for me, it's, it's a save of the tournament and something that probably hasn't been given the attention it, it, it should have got. Uh, so despite me hammering in for the last 10 minutes, <laughs> I think that's probably the single best bit of, of play I've seen um, in, in the last week. Yeah, yeah no, he, he has been good. And that, that was a really good save. Um, probably and the people saying, just, just to clear this up, the people going, oh, it wasn't going in. I mean, it was very close. I don't know if it was going in or not. But a keeper cannot leave that ball in the 94th minute. And if you go, no, it wasn't a good save because it might have been going wide. Shut up. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Gimli, what's your good um, My good is probably England because nobody expected them to do anything and they, they are where they are. It's a, it's a, a good group of young lads um, and they're really doing themselves and the whole of England proud. Okay. My good is... <laughs> The team that I have, I think I've said good every week for this team, and it's Russia. I, as the host of the of the, the um, tournament, they you cannot take anything away from them this World Cup. Even the game yesterday, it was edge of your seat stuff. Goes the extra time, goes the penalty shootout. They were unlucky not to be true, and had look and, and t- you boys will tell me, would you rather Croatia or Russia? Because I think Croatia would be the team I'd rather play. This Russian team, like, I, I don't know what they've got in them this year. But just <laughs> I think that's fuck. a very bad piece of work. <laughs> to, to play Russia in Moscow uh, as England's next game would have been a, a hell of an event, wouldn't it? Oh. I mean, can you imagine that in the stadium, the, yeah. the Russian national anthem? It would have been, oh. Yeah, no, nah, crazy. I'm just thinking what, what I actually said then. I probably shouldn't. Yeah, bad choice of words. Um, but, you know, I reckon they've been really good. I read them off at the start. I said, had they not even been hosting the World Cup, would they even make it through the group? And that was, you know, four podcasts ago. So I take my hat off. Russia, you have come to this World Cup. You've played football and you've played entertaining, brilliant football that we've all loved to watch. So Russia's for me. Um, Tony, you got a bad? Um, the Uruguay keepers letting Griezmann's goal in. Musulera's mistake. I'm very unfortunate it happens, but at that stage, it's a criminal. I seem to have it in for goalkeepers today. I've hammered Pitford, and now I'm going to hammer him. But it wasn't even a hard save. The ball barely moved. He could have had hard hands and pushed it down in front of him because there was no one running onto it. It was just weird. It was more he moved out the way of the ball than the ball moved away from him. Um, so, yeah, Musilera's attempted save I'm going to go with. Okay, you are hammering the keepers today, aren't you? <laughs> um, Gimli, you got a bad? Uh, yeah, I, I just Diego Maradona is an absolute disgrace of the World Cup. My bad would be him. <laughs> I mean, even fucking taking a video of him putting on a Colombia shirt before the game we played Colombia. I'll just take a fucking overdose. You're a waste on society. You might have been a great footballer, but you've pissed and sniffed that up the wall after you've retired. And everyone just now thinks you're a massive cunt. <laughs> I seen that there video you go. and I thought, what the fuck is this clean on about? What's the go? Did you... 
Did you see him against Nigeria, the way he had to be helped up the steps because he fucking absolutely sniffed his head off? He was absolutely off his box. <laughs> and you my... think, <laughs> look, you are an ambassador for football. I think he's something to do with FIFA as well. And you're turning up to games, you're fucking making, you're making gestures towards Asian people, uh, but like from making your eyes slitty and stuff. And it's like you're, you're like dancing with Nigerians and then giving them the middle finger. You're getting so coked up, you, can't, you don't even know where you are. And you're an ambassador for the beautiful game. You're just a dickhead. I'm sorry, for my bad this week. He trumps anything that's happened on the pitch that's bad. He is just a, a colossal tosser. I totally agree, mate. I think he was my ugly that week. We played Nigeria because, yeah, um, it was pathetic. Um, my bad is I, I rate him. We all rate him as a striker, but uh, Suarez without Cavani. Wow, he was nowhere in that game. Um, uh, with I, I've got nothing, boys. He, he was he was nothing. He was nowhere. And it just proved to me that that team, really, they needed Cavani to be playing. Suarez, he, he was woeful. Absolutely woeful. Um, Tony, got an ugly? Yeah, and this is probably a bit of a contentious one. Uh, I think Vars worked really well in the tournament, and it's gone a lot better than, than I thought it would. But for me, and I know a lot of people disagree with this, how it didn't give a penalty for Gabriel Jesus for the tackle by Vincent Company. I will never, ever, ever know. I don't understand. And as I said, I know a lot of people do, but I don't understand how anyone can see that and think that's not a penalty. Mm. Uh, so especially when they've got however many angles to look at it and they've got time to decide rationally, I, just, I can't see why the penalty wasn't given. And that's one of them mistakes that I would say it was a bad mistake by the ref had they not had VAR. But you say, like, you, I would just say, oh, it's a mistake. The ref should have spotted that. When they then have a chance to go back and look at it, and he's still not giving it, I really don't understand. I mean, Brazil hadn't helped themselves by Neymar diving all over the place. but And, and usually with a referee, they, they keep that in the back of their mind. So they go, oh, this team are trying to con a penalty, so I'm going to be very harsh on them. But that's the kind of thing that VAR's there to stamp out, that you take every um, situation as an individual situation and you don't cloud your judgment by what's happened previously. But I, I just I don't understand why a penalty wasn't given then. And I'm not a Brazil fan. I couldn't care less who won that game. Uh, it was it, it was nearly my good because it was an exceptional game. But for me, I, I just don't understand why that decision wasn't given. Mm, um, just since you touched on VAR, now my only problem is, and you've known, look, we've had it over here in the A-League and it's been shocking. However, I will say the World Cup, they have done really well. My only problem is that I've noticed throughout this tournament is... Are the players playing for VAR? So are they going into the box hoping that obviously they'll get a penalty because we've had record amount of penalties this tournament, lads. And that is my only worry, that we're not playing football now. We're actually playing for, for to, to get the penalty. Um, so I don't know how they get around that. I, I, I have no I, idea. I, I, I know how they get around that. If they, if they pull something up on VAR and it proves that a player has dived, then the player takes the yellow card. At the end of the day, it's cheating. Why can't VAR be, good, be used to decipher the good and the bad of the game? You know, mm. if, if a decision needs to be made, you know, either someone's been fouled or they've dived, surely. Or it's just a, just a, a 50-50 incident and, you know, it's not a penalty. 
But if someone's been proved to dive because the incident would have had to have gone through VAR, then the person that has dived needs to be punished for that. And that's how you combat it. Mm-hmm. Out of the out of the penalties in the World Cup, and just thinking back, is there any that you guys have actually thought? And I'll, I'll start with you first, Tony. That you've thought, shit, he's he's fucking milked that. I mean, when, when players go down, they're, they're always going to milk things. But as I think Vars there to, as I said, to look at that exact incident. So forget the histrionics before and after. That I think VAR actually helps in that it tells you if it was a foul or not. I think the reason for record number of penalties is now they have all these angles to look from and it's not just the one angle that the ref's seeing it from, that more fouls, fouls are being spotted. It's the same as if there was 10 refs on the pitch, more more fouls would be spotted. I don't think players are playing for VAR. I think that what's gone on is exactly the same that goes on in every football match that we ever see. But instead of one pair of eyes looking at it, it's the, it's probably, it's the I don't know, 20 camera angles they look at. So it's 20 people looking from different angles rather than one ref looking from the exact position he's standing in. So I don't think they're playing for VAR, and I don't really think anything's changed except things are getting picked up on. Like uh, Obviously, I'm English, but are um, a couple of the penalties we wouldn't have normally got, I don't think, but the refs are now looking for pulling and, and pushing in the box, and they've got the backup option of VAR if needed. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on it, Gimme? Um, I, I think it's been fantastic this World Cup. I think uh, there's part of me that's disappointed that the league aren't going to take it on next year. Um, one question. If if VAR had been implemented last season, where would Tottenham have finished in the league? I mean, they had a lot of last-minute goals, scruffy penalties right at the death. You know, I think in a world where people are... are are fearful of it because they think it's going to take talking points away from the game. I think it as an entity is its own talking point. Um, I think we all go through the season and we go, oh, well, what if we'd have had this? Or what if that had been given? Or that should have been a... I think it eradicates that. Hmm. And I think that is good for football because you take cheating out of football. And I think at the end of the day, if two sets of fans can go away and go okay, we lost fairly or we won fairly, um, then it takes away from the whole we've been screwed, we've had a shit referee. You know, you can have a shit referee. If you've got people sat in a van in the, outside the stadium uh, monitoring every call, how many does Mike Dean get wrong? I think he gets less wrong personally. And if, the, if that becomes a thing, how can we say that that's bad? Mm. As long as they use it similar to what they have been in the World Cup, because see, I can only talk for the A League over here because in Australia because mate they even VAR's got it wrong and you think how the fuck do you get that wrong? Um, but then again you speak for the the Italian league in the Serie A, it's been used really well there. So maybe it's just an A League thing. I don't know. But I, I but I think or what makes it a big thing as well is you've got lots of different referees from lots of countries refing other countries and they don't necessarily know much about each other. Whereas in the Premier League, you've got referees that maybe we go like Mike Dean. Oh, they've got Mike Dean this week. They're going to have an easy ride. You know, so I think a lot of that depends on maybe the, the reputations of players and football clubs um, and, and also referees in this country as well. So it also, VAR being fair, also depends on there being no bias from the referees. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to your first question about Tottenham, there'd be a few with... Um... Yeah, oh, mate, Deli Alley. Oh, yeah, definitely so. <laughs> okay, Gimli, give me your ugly, mate. 
Um, my ugly is Lucas Torreira, and not in a bad way. He's he's an ugly boy, but he is a hell of a footballer. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm still sat here, and you know I'm I'm not an Arsenal Nexus fan, so I'm not completely in the loop as to where the deal is right now. If he is in this country, is if he is in Uruguay, if he's still in Russia, I don't know. Dean, unblock me, please. I beg you. Um, <laughs> but all I can say is that from watching him at this World Cup, he's been fantastic. Um, how we've managed to get a player like that for £25 million is beyond me. I have no worry about his size because he is a little fucking Jack Russell. And I think, personally, he's been what we've needed for a long, long time. And I can't wait to see him in an Arsenal shirt. So I hope Arsenal hurry up and announce it. But yeah, he's my ugly, but only because he's an ugly boy and not because he's a bad footballer, because he's, he's an incredible one. I'm glad you cleared that up very quickly because I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> oh, no, I was about to be shot, wasn't I? Um... <laughs> well, I thought, fuck, we're going to get some hate here. <laughs> Lucas Torreira, ugly. What a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my ugly is Neymar. Again, Neymar. Mate, he's been rolling around this fucking World Cup. I seen a video clip the other day, 14 minutes of rolling around on the grass. Now... Even kids who have bought Neymar jerseys um, from when they played Bar- when he played at Barcelona, now he's gone to PSG for the money, and he is he's come in this World Cup, and I think he's just oh, just just complete fucking disgrace. Um, you know, you're rolling around, your kids the kids are watching you. You're a big Neymar fan. There be there be Neymar lovers out there everywhere, and you're watching Neymar and you're thinking, oh. You've got to be disgusted in him, rolling around like some fucking ah, oh, just 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 shit. It's shit, and and I feel sorry for Brazil and the young kids that are watching this this player roll around like he has because um, it's disgusting. I think, and that's Neymar. Um, uh, okay, boys. Now we got to touch on. Oh, we'll go into quickly France, Belgium. Um, Tony, you got to who who do you want to, who do you want through? Is the question. If England are to get to the final, I'd prefer to play Belgium because all of their big players and all of their star players are players play against in or play with week in, week out anyway. Whereas you look at France and look, we all know about Griezmann and Mbappe. We know about them, but we're not playing against them week in, week out or training with them. Um, So and I always say you can watch a player as much as much as you want until you've actually played against them and ran in a straight line against them or been barged by them. You, you can say a player's quick, but no one knows how quick until he's running past you. You don't know if you need to give him five yards start, 10 yards start. And, and the same with strength. You don't know if you have to go in 100% or he's quite weak. And you can, you can get a, a feeling for it by watching them, but until you've actually come up against them, you never know. Um, whereas with the Belgian players, they'll know all of that. Like for the sake, our, our defenders would have played against De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, or, or played with them. So I think if we are to get to the final, I'd prefer to play Belgium. We, w- we wouldn't be favourites against whatever team we play. And I think France will win um, just because they've probably got a few more big game players and big game experience um, and, and probably a better mentality. But um, I, I would prefer, as an England fan, if we were to get there to play Belgium. Wasn't Mbappe fucking good in that last game? I said before the tournament started, and we all did. I'm not trying to say I know more than everyone else, but he's the best young player in the world by an absolute country mile. And mm. 
as I said, we all said that before the tournament, and this is just it's just showing the world what everyone that kind of watches football outside the Premier League already knew. Mm-hmm. But even going back, that France and Argentina game, he was oh, unplayable. Fuck, unbelievable. Um, with a kid so young with so much talent, I, I don't know where it, where it stops. I, I just see, I hate seeing him wasted at PSG though, and and not taking the piss on the French league, but I think he need. I'd like to see him tested in the Premier League or in Spain or even even in Italy. Um, but he is he is class. He is real class. Um, Gimli. Um. About Mbappe, or, oh, sorry, about, mate. Uh, France, France, Belgium. Belgium, France, Belgium, France, Belgium. Um, I'm probably with Tony. I, I think um, probably the team I prefer to play is Belgium because we know more about them. Um, I, Mbappe's pace against Stones it, it scares me, but I, I think no matter what defender we put in there, it would scare me just because how incredible he is. And uh, to answer your question, Tony, I think Mbappe has the potential to, to outgo Thierry Henry. I think he's an incredible footballer. I think he's got great technique. He's got the pace. He's got the goals. Um, he's just a player that, that strikes fear, even with his name on the team sheet. Um, in terms of France-Belgium, it's a tough one, isn't it? And I can't call it. I can't call which one to go through. There's a sneaking part of me that says that Belgium are going to do it. I think Belgium have underperformed for so many years, and it seems like very much like England if they're going to do it this is going to be their time um, I think Belgium are going to do it mm-hmm. I think I, I'm I'm with you on that I'm going to say Belgium I think they'll beat France and that's only because of the amount of goals I've seen France let in um, I know Argentina were you know they, they've top, they had to go all out attack in that last couple of minutes or ten minutes or so but I don't I think Belgium are pretty strong at the back um, compared to compared to France, but but then again, Belgium did slip up, almost slipped up against Japan as well. So, and, and who would have thought that Japan would have got two goals past them? So, I, th- I think Belgium have periods where they just like switch off, don't they? And yeah. and you catch them. I think they're very much like Arsenal last season. They just had even at the start of the game, at the end of the game, they just switch off for like five minutes, and it's like all this hard work has been, you know, for nothing or. Jesus, we find ourselves 2-0 down. We've actually got to fucking pull something out of our ass, boys. Mm. You know, but they have the ability to be able to do that against any team in the world, and that's why they're going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to go Belgium and... Who did I say the other? Oh, England. England. Yes, England. <laughs> Which means Belgium, Croatia. Um, <laughs> okay, boys, so that's about all. You just want to touch anything else on the World Cup, Tony? No, um, no. So, it's coming home, obviously, but we know that. It's not fucking coming home. Oh, yeah, it's coming home. <laughs> um, so those who have been listening for our World Cup editions, you can tune out now because it's going to be Arsenal-related from here. So, um, Boys, we've got a new signing. Uh, Papa, I love that name, Tony. Yeah, because you can manage to say that. You'll still fuck it up at some point during the season. Um <laughs> No, I mean, look, every, everyone knew it was coming. We we was waiting for the German stock market or the financial year to change. Um, so the 1st of July was a Sunday and it happened on the 2nd. I think it was, it, the deal had been done for a long, long time and, and everyone knew it. 
Um, obviously, he wouldn't have started training until the second or third anyway, so he completed and pretty much went into training at the same time as everyone else. So it didn't bother us to, to have that delay. It didn't affect us in any way. But, I mean, yeah, it was finally announced this week. And, and as I said, it's good to get players in the, for the start of pre-season. Uh, he's the only one of our signings that we have got in for pre-season. Um, but luckily, we've got quite a lot of our established players who weren't at the World Cup. But if you look at... So I don't know if, if many people um, know this, but a lot of people have asked me or, or DM, DM'd us on Twitter saying, why isn't Leno in training? Because he was part of the German 27, and he was one of the last four to miss out with Leroy Sane and a couple of others. Um he, um, he's got an extra, I think it's a week. I think he should start training tomorrow, but it may be two weeks because he was still part of that international setup. So that's why he hasn't been in training. Obviously, Lichsteiner um, was at the World Cup. Uh, Torreira obviously still technically hasn't been announced. Um, so, and he won't be in training for, I'd imagine, at least four weeks. So it was good to have at least one new face in the door and, and training and preparing with the rest of the squad. Yep, so much of him. Uh, Last season, I hadn't, uh, apart from uh, when they're in the Champions League, I watched them because they're usually quite an entertaining team, Dortmund. Uh, he's very strong, very tough, very much no-nonsense. Um, I, I worry about him getting turned. I, I really hope, but I've hoped this for a long time, that we go back to defending deep. I say go back to defending deep. I don't think we've ever defended deep in my lifetime. But uh, I've, I've always wanted us to defend deep because... We never had, we've never had the quickest uh, centre-backs and our full-backs are so high up that usually their pace can't cover the, the centre-backs. So for me, I think he's the type of guy that, well, he is the type of guy that would benefit defending deep, defending sort of on your edge of the area. If a ball comes, he'll, he'll head it or try and go through someone and, and head it and he'll let them know that he's there, to use the horrible expression. Um, so I, I hope his sign-in... Um, turns us round into a team that defends deep because let's face it without Koscielny who's going to be out till it looks like at least Christmas we've got literally no pace in any of our centre-backs that's not to say they're bad players but Chambers, Holding, Mustafi, Socrates uh, any of them none of them you would say are quick so hopefully it means we will st- drop that extra 10-15 yards when when we're defending Okay, uh, Gimli Papa mate what's your take well, on him? I don't know if it was actually true or false or, or someone like Darren Barry, uh, nod to Darren, um, uh, made this up. But I, I saw a quote from him and it made me laugh. Um, and, and the supposed thing he's supposed to have said is, I am an old fashioned defender. I want my team to concede zero goals. I want the opposition striker to go home crying for his mummy. I want to leave him on the floor, rip open his belly and feast on his gizzards, then kiss his wife with my bloody mouth. I hope I can bring this to Arsenal and the Premier League. Now, can anyone on this podcast either <laughs> confirm or deny that he said that? Because if he said that, he might just be my new favourite player. I'm going to go very strongly on he didn't, but I don't know that. But I feel like I know he didn't say that, especially for someone who doesn't have English as their first language to use the word gizzards. Mm. Um, I'm going to go strongly with that. That's a Darren Berry special. Oh, yeah, we could be Darren Berry. Well, Darren, if that was you, then another nod to you. You had me fooled, Uh, but absolutely fantastic. On, uh, on Papa himself, um, 
from what I've seen of him, he's a, he's a very good defender, uh, someone that brings experience to our squad. Obviously, you know, we know that we're not going to see a lot of Kashani this year. Um, obviously, he's not going to train as much. He's certainly, if he does play, it's not going to be more than one game a week. Um, and I think he's going to fill that role that maybe Mertesacker did last year. If he was absolutely necessarily needed, he would be there and, and it would be someone that we could rely on and, and, and have faith in. Um, but apart from that, I don't think he's going to get a sniff um, of a starting place. If Socrates is the man that comes in to, to dethrone him, then I'm more than happy with that. Like I said, he's got plenty of experience, uh, European, international. Um, and to see him also link up with Orba and Mickey again, you know, it's also a show that the Dortmund influence is, uh, is shining through at our club. And I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. So, yeah, I'm happy with him as a signing. I think he'll come in and do well with the experience that he's got. And hopefully... Uh, It'll teach our other defenders something. But I would like to see, on, on another note, I would like to see Mustafi go um, for, for, for what it's worth. I don't think he's good enough. And I'd like to see him come in replaced with somebody else. Um, but not to say that Emery can't get the best out of him. But again, it's, uh, I guess it's a suck it and see moment, isn't it? We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good signing. Um... Zen, he's he's obviously having an influence at the club. He's got the the three Dortmund players. The old mate from uh, Dortmund America, he'd be absolutely livid. But um, I think it's a good good signing for Arsenal. Um, when I watch Dortmund and and you know it's it's like uh, uh, Tierra, like when I watched him as well um, in, in the Italian league, did I go their standout players, their gun players? No, I didn't because I probably didn't take a lot of notice to him but when you start taking a bit of notice to these players and and he's been uh Tura, he's been unreal for in for Uruguay in the bloody world cup so uh yeah good signings i think both of them will be um that's if <laughs> we'll have to ask your old mate uh, nexus arsenal dean whether Tura no ask ask, come on. ask uh, chris davidson sadly uh chris I made an offensive remark to yourself a long time ago and you blocked me. Uh, I am sorry. Uh, to not have your tweets on my timeline has been wonderful, but I wouldn't like to think that I upset you. But I just want Arsenal information pumped into my veins, into my ear rolls, into my eyes, everywhere. I, I need it pumped into me. I love transfer season. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. Chris, Chris, you're an absolute cunt, mate. State of you and your tweets. Back <laughs> to Bellerin, start training, having a chat. Uh, yeah, that fucking done it for me during the week. Chris Davison, I, I looked at your tweets, mate. And you might be a nice bloke. You may, I don't know you from a borough. He's, nah, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's, <laughs> he's pre- not. He's but any bloke who has to go- jump on his fucking Google, he's obviously seen something. He jumps on his Google, he's, he gets a couple of Getty images. Out his tweet from two days ago. Head coach Emery talking to Bellerin in training earlier today. Does anyone honestly give a fuck? And is Chris Davison on the sideline taking the photos? <laughs> Get a fucking life, mate. Like, I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, our old mate Dean Dean at Nexus Arsenal. <laughs> that bloke is the most deluded clown on Twitter. He did say it is. It just boys get a life. He 
he's an actor, I believe. An actor, so I've been told. Mate, the acting must he's have dried up. <laughs> it must he's have a, dried up. He's a parody up. of himself. Oh, just... I, I fucking like it. It just astounds me that guys can sit there on fucking Twitter and Chris is, looks like he's a kid, trying to grow some half fucking bearded looking thing by the looks of his profile picture. Go and get a job and fucking you know have a go in life, mate. Don't tell us your fucking updates on Twitter. Chris Davidson strikes me as the kind of man that when he's not spending time talking or tweeting about Arsenal, his other hobby is to grow a beard and his pubic hair, weave them all in together, and play it like a harp. That's what kind of a man he strikes me as. I, I, I genuinely think he's the type of guy that takes his shin pads to the Emirates in case someone falls ill and he gets a chance to be on the bench. <laughs> yeah. now, now, see what happens when our voice of reason isn't here, Schwinn. <laughs> this just can, I, can I literally just read his tweet from the other day? Because I pretty much just ignore him, but someone forwarded this to me and they just said the joke I did about them... Um, him taking his shin pads to the Emirates. So I did steal that off a mate. But this is what they, they sent me, that he tweeted when they said that. It's been great to see the squad get back together training, meeting the new boss and his staff. It was a bit weird at first, but it's very exciting and refreshing. The group looks happy and positive, and so they should. Patience will be key, but I'm confident we will move forward. Does he think he's fucking Aaron Ramsey? <laughs> and the first reply from on this tweet was one of his followers saying, who said this? Because he's tweeted it as if it's a quote from Aaron Ramsey or from any other player, Mohamed Al-Nani, whoever, I'm not choosing what player. And he's replied, I did. Don't fucking talk as if you're standing in the centre circle going, oh, lads, it's it's a bit weird with this new boss, isn't it? But we'll get used to it. Fucking wrong. I've just read his bio there, and I fucking really do apologise, Chris, because I was... Mate, he's a freelance sports informative... Passionate, reliable gooner, and he's been fortunate enough to work with the club. You can email c11 Davison at hotmail.co.uk. Hold on a minute. Whoa. I'm going to back you up a second there, right? Does it, <laughs> does, it, does it actually say in his bio, reliable Guna? Well, reliable for what? I'm not going to pay him a, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good Guna, but I, I might stand you up at dinner. <laughs> I'm an unreliable gooner. Unreliable Where, gooner. What, 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 what the fuck? Chris, sort your life out. <laughs> reliable gooner, I fucking that there is that's what it says. And fortunate enough reliable. to work at, work with the club. <laughs> I'm gonna do you know what I'm gonna actually put this after this show. I'm gonna put it as my bio, unreliable gooner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck me get a life lad what, get a what, life not turn up for something 100% won't turn up to anything <laughs> just because I'm an unreliable gooner that's what I am that's the bracket that I put myself in unreliable gooner mate if, if, this, if this bloke was coming to your wedding he'd be there two hours in advance he's that fucking uh, reliable come to my wedding he can go and suck a dick oh fuck mate Uh, anyway it's all fun and games and um, Chris and Dean go and fuck yourselves do you know there is someone else right and I'm sorry if he's affiliated with your show in any way it's that Lath guy off of uh, off of um, Twitter as well he tweeted something like oh the players are getting the hydration that they need or something like that 
what the fuck? I tweeted to that. Oh, look, nice to see that Emery's wearing a watch. Didn't ever see Arsene Wenger wearing a watch. That must be why we've got three new signings before the end of the World Cup, because he's wearing a watch. <laughs> That's because things are changing under Unai Emery. He's even letting the players go back to the fucking training centre for a piss. It's fucking breakthrough stuff. <laughs> he's a good bloke, isn't he? <laughs> I, just, I just think to myself... Is it a slow news day? Write something else, you fucking weapon. <laughs> well, I haven't seen this life. You'll have to point me out to him, like. Oh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think he's something like this, Lacey 29. <laughs> all of this, like, and you've obviously just mentioned one account, but there's fucking loads of them about taking an absolute positive in everything Emery does, which is fair enough. I'm positive. I want us to win everything. But then also going back on, oh, we've never done this under Wenger. Look how hard they're running. We never done this under Wenger. When last year, when we got an injury, it was Wenger's working them too hard. So he's lost on both aspects. He was working them too hard while simultaneously not working them hard enough. I know like, what it was. I know what it was. I know what his tweet was. He put, uh, it was Emery and Bold chatting to each other and Bold had a smile. Oh, on his yeah, face. I know it was. And, yeah. he, and he said, oh, it's nice to see that Steve Bold is smiling. Can't recall him ever smiling when he was working next to Arsene Wenger. What? The bloke's never smiled at training before. Oh, go fuck yourself, mate. Oh, <laughs> just, oh. They, they got no life, eh? They, they obviously got too much time, these lads. Never seen Aaron Ramsey wearing a shade of pink before. Ooh, all because of Unai Emery and the new regime. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, who else is there? We'll have to dig through these fuckers later. <laughs> um, just, just name and shame them. Yeah, yeah, just the name and shame. We'll have a weekly name and shame on the podcast. <laughs> Chris, oh, while we're talking though about this, um, go and fo- go and have a look at hashtag Daily Nexus. That's a fucking laugh. That is the the bloke has his own hashtag. Daily yep, Nexus. it does. But it's only created by people that absolutely hate him. Like me. Hold on. Let's go into it now. Daily <laughs> Nexus. And, and read some of the comedy gold to people that aren't familiar with his wanky ways. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brilliant podcast. <laughs> <and> this is... <laughs> the lie involving us. It's not where it came out of nowhere either. We were interested in January. Oh, this may be the best. Oh, according to Kiki Marin, Arsenal have had a 15 million bid rejected for Stephen and Zonzi. The daily, you might enjoy. Oh, the daily. And there he is selling a car. He's selling a car. Oh, my God. Have you seen the size of him? Not that I'm, I'm fat shaming him, but he is, he is quite a unit. Like, um, like that Mike. <laughs> yes, Mike, our old mate from uh, Gunners in the USA. <laughs> but I implore anyone to listen to this show. Just get on Daily Nexus and fill your eyes with wonderfulness. <laughs> um, yes, it, it's they just yeah they got to get a fucking job. Like seriously, they got too much time on. And I'll I'll make it's one. Yeah, go. It's one man's life made into a comedy. It is. That was just too much time. they got too much time on their hands. Yeah. Way too much time. Andy reckons he's got a girlfriend. I fucking doubt it, mate. On Steak and BJ Day, you were probably sat at home with a pot noodle and had a wank. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, well, that's your slag off for them fuckers. Um, now, boys, I'm going to really struggle with this one. 
<laughs> Arsenal in talks over a move for um, Laurente midfielder or Laurent midfielder. Yeah, G G G G and is that him? G G and Tony, you're on your own with this one, mate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, um, he's a 19-year-old Frenchman, played 17 games in League One last season, having been promoted to first team in 2016 from the club's B-side. Uh, anybody know anything about him? Looks a bit like a cross between David Luiz and Bob Marley. <laughs> That's about all we've got. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know he existed until this morning when we were linked with him. Uh, I literally didn't know he was alive. Um, but I'm sure, no doubt, we'll have loads of experts on him that have seen every minute he's played since he was four years old by the time this podcast goes to air. Um, it, it's, it's another sign in where, and I've seen it already, people go, oh, Sven's been at work, and he probably has it. It's got Sven written all over it, and again, I hope this kid's excellent. But uh, i just got to go back to what if Wenger had signed a, a League 2, because they, were, they weren't in the top division in France. Mm. What if he'd signed a, a League 2 centre midfielder? for roughly £8 million, I think it is. I, I, I don't think people would have been as positive. And I think it just shows that a lot of people just had an agenda against him. And look, everyone knows I wanted him to sack. So this is not me being on the side of, of uh, bring Wenger back or, or whatever the, the current movement is. I don't know what they want to call it. But I, I just, I always, on here, I always promote uh, being objective. And I think this shows that, this potential signing just shows that a lot of our fan base are, are anything but objective. Mm. He does look a bit like um, Bob Marley, doesn't he? Who the fuck oh, he's got killer hair. Yeah. Killer hair. Yeah. Um, my only worry is, haven't we got a handful of 19-year-olds that are biting at the bit to get in the first team? But, but do you not think that uh, under, this, uh, under the new manager there will be a, a, a ruthless streak like very much with Wilshire, you know, we'll offer you a new contract, but unfortunately, mate, you're not going to get much, much starting time. You know, these players have to understand that very, very few make it at this level. And whether this kid is brought in as someone that's going to play a part or he's going to join the youngsters or he's going to be immediately uh, loaned out again, we don't know. We've just mm. got to wait and see. But, you know, I- I'd rather us be signing players them be sat here at this point with no players so anyone that comes in i'm happy with i I trust that sven's doing his job um and i I guess there's a certain element uh, element of it at arsenal now that i trust the people that are in place to identify players to buy them and to get those uh get those players over the line and that's certainly what we've seen so far like i said you know if we were if we were sat here with arsene wenger as our manager would we you have been sat here with the players that we had uh, I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you for sure, but I don't think we maybe would be. Yeah, yeah. But I, and also, so Tony's point of view, if you imagine if Wenger had assigned this kid for eight million plus bonuses uh, or add-ons, mm. yeah, shit, it'd be the fucking Wenger out hashtag would be trending. That's um, yeah. But um, the only other thing, also, there was some news. Mustafi, obviously, we're all top on the stage. Mustafi. I think it's time to, to head off, but um, we probably need a replacement. 
But the other one is El Nenny, and we ridden him off. We rid him off a little bit during the season, but you know, by the end of the season, um, well, I don't know about yourself, Gimli, but me, Tony, and Schwinn, we thought, look, he he's a brilliant, um, uh, you know, second string player that we we need as a squad player. So I don't know if I'd, I'd be happy to see El Nenny go. Um, I, I agree with you when Onani came in I've, I'd largely written him off because of price tag where he came from and um, the, the the level of Egyptian football at the time but he has surprised me and he's put in solid performances um, obviously he got Egypt to a World Cup with the help of Mo Salah as well um, in terms of starting I'm going to be brutal Um I don't think he gets anywhere near the first 11. I don't think he really gets anywhere near the bench. However, <clears throat> if we can learn one thing from the Europa League and being in it last season, if we're going to give that a decent push, then Mohamed Nene is the perfect player that you put out against a fucking FC Bolokov mm. on a Thursday night. Uh, someone that's got a little bit of experience uh, with our talented youngsters around can... Can, can make a half-decent team that's more than capable of, of giving teams like that um, a, a bit of a hammering. But in terms of starting position and and everything like that, I don't think he gets near the squad. I think with players like Torreira, Ramsey, Xhaka, uh, where do you find the games for him? Um, and for me, the answer to that is Europa League and nothing more. And if he's happy to do that, then fantastic. But if he's not, then... Thank you very much for a, a good couple of years at the club. You were you're always funny. You seemed like a character in the dressing room. Um, you certainly made a lot of fans in the time you were here, and, and we wish you all the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tony. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I I don't know that I've been away for a bit, so I don't know where you're getting the news from. But I can't see him going. He's obviously just signed a new contract. He's just uh, got the four shirt, but. For me, he's a fifth or sixth choice midfielder, and he's seemingly happy to do that. And look, everyone knows I, I'm not a big fan of him, but you're not going to get a better fifth or sixth choice midfielder. And as I said, he's happy to do that. He, uh, yes, he wants to fight and he wants to play, but you get some people that if they're not involved, they throw their toys out of the pram and, and, and I, I don't know you get negativity in the press or on social media, or you always hear rumours about them being unhappy and disharmony in the camp. Uh, he's none of them. He's someone that, if he's fifth choice midfielder, he'll work his bollocks off to try and be first choice midfielder, and he'll do it with very little rumblings. He won't moan about it. He, there's no negativity. So if he is happy to do that, uh, I, I think it's a brilliant person to have in the squad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's two more Arsenal players I want to talk about, and okay, Lucas Perez. What do we do with him, Tony? I think the issue with Lucas is he pretty much has no value. We tried to sell him last summer and pretty much couldn't. And he didn't have a good season in in Spain, back with Deportivo. Mm. So, one, you're not going to get anyone to sign him, I don't think, or not for any decent amount of fee. They're definitely not going to cover his wages. And, And unless he's regressed in the last season, he's not a half bad player. So... I don't buy. It. There's a lot of Arsenal fans, and there seems to be a bandwagon that thinks he's a lot. Better, that think he is a lot better than what he's actually shown. Um, I, I don't know why people think that, but so he's not as good as a lot of people seem to think he is. But he's not bad. And if you're not, if you're going to get a million pound for him, 
he's worth more than a million to Arsenal. Even if he only plays in the Carling Cup in the Europa League, as Gim just said, that's worth more than a million. It's the same argument I had for Wilshere last summer. When, when everyone was saying, oh, we should let Jack go for nothing last summer when he still had a year left on his contract, or we should let him go for a million pound. I said his value to Arsenal was way over that million pound. And he proved that throughout the season. I'm not saying he's exceptional, but he's got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. He was man and match a few times. That's worth more than a million pound to the club. And I think Lucas is, is on that same sort of level. Unless someone is going to come in with half serious money, bear in mind we paid 16, 17 million pound for him literally less than two years ago. I think he'd probably hang around just because yeah, it makes sense value-wise, yeah. Mm-hmm. What What is he, four-year deal, three-year deal? I'm not sure. Because of his age, I'd imagine four. Yeah, okay. What's your thoughts on Lucas Perez, Gimli? Um, it's very hard not to echo what um, Tony said. You know, he's right. He has no value. Um, certainly in, in monetary terms, he holds more value to have him around to say if a Lacazette needs a rest or, or uh, Orban needs a rest. Um, I think he kind of falls into the same bracket as, as Danny Welbeck mm. in the terms that, you know, in a starting 11, mate, you are nowhere near it. But as a, as a if we if we have to play a lesser team or one of the promoted teams, uh, nights on the Europa League, you know, because I'm almost certain the Europa League that you see, the, the team you see start the Europa League will be nothing the same of what you see start a Premier League game. Uh, I think if you if you want to go on and progress in tournaments like Europa, then you need to have a big squad of players. Um, again, last season proved that. And I thought we were under-equipped when we were playing all these youngsters. And and, and for me, I thought the first games of the, the Europa League were actually piss-boring. Um, and I, I found I found a lot of the, the certainly the, the group stage of the Europa League very difficult to watch. Mm. Um, but it would be nice to have players of Lucas's calibre. As Tony said, he's not a bad player. He's not a starting player, but he's not a bad player. He's got goals in him. He's got assists in him. Um, so I would I would keep him around and unless unless a, a crazy offer comes in for him, which it won't, um, then he can prove his worth to us and. And, and play in the in the games that you wouldn't start your big game players. See, who's the teams come up? So uh, they wolves. Um, wolves. They won't take him because they go for all the other players. That um, who's that agent uh, they go, Tony? Oh. Mendes. Yeah, Mendes. They go for all. No, his I, don't, I, don't know. I don't think I don't think any of the teams that come up in England would look at him because he's not proven there. And as I said, it's it's not a question of who would take him. It's a question of the, what they would pay for him because. If someone offered us a million pound for him, that's, there's no value to us. As I said, he's worth more to us than a million pound. I, I dare say 10 million would get him just to get him out of the club. But no one's going to offer 10 million for a, a guy that, in theory, failed in his first year in England, then went back to Spain where he should be comfortable and didn't pull up trees. And he's, what, 29, I think. So no one's going to pay 10 million for that. Mm. So I, I think the issue is we're kind of stuck. I agree in some sense how how uh, Gim compared him to Welbeck. The difference is with Welbeck. Welbeck does have some form of value. Uh, other pre- a Premier League team would pay fifteen million for Welbeck, no problem. The the issue with Perez is he just has no value to anyone in terms of transfer fee. I'm not saying he's useless. Mm, no, you're right. You are right, one hundred percent. Okay, um, Gimli, spit of news on Nacho Monreal heading back to Spain. Uh, one you'd want to keep at the club, obviously. Um, yeah, I, from what I hear around the club, there's been no noises about wanting him to leave. Um, if the player wants to leave, 
I don't think the club would stand in the way of that. But um, without wanting to sound like fucking Chris or Dean, <laughs> I don't think the club want to get rid of him. He's a useful player. Um, he's a, he, you know, he, he played a big part last season, scored some important goals for us. Um, I, I, and as from a, pa- a fan's point of view, I'd be sad to see him go. Yeah, um, I really would. I, I, don't get me wrong. I want to see the tank get a chance because um, I think under a new manager, you know, you can't just go from being the best left back in the Bundesliga to to to, to being shit. Mm. So, you know, there's there's something there with him, and he's he's young enough, and you know, we've all seen his physical attributes. He can he can put a shift in and, and definitely bring something to this team. But I think in terms of Monreal, I'd like to see him stay and kind of fulfill the Koscielny role this year but I think Monreal strikes me as a kind of player that he's going to want to play as many games as he can and I think he's getting on now um, you know it's, it's Sociedad isn't it the team that are after him yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and again if he does go pat on the back thank you you've provided me many happy moments but I won't stand in the way of it but I don't want you to go ideally because I'd like to see you at the club because I like you as a mm. player Yep, no, I agree. Um, Tony Monreal, so I've just had a quick look at the transfer market. Now, I don't know what um, the offer is on the table, but market value of $11 million. is he more important than that to us? The, with the, this is where transfer market is in the website completely is just not really relevant with their transfer fees. It's like I, I was looking at it the other day for something else. One of our followers asked me how long the a contract Lichtsteiner signed and I said I'm not sure I'll see if transfer market says yeah. and I think it was Horn I'm not sure but they're oh, yeah, Socrates one of them their market value was 5 million less than we paid for them literally a week before and the other one was 5 million more than we paid for them the week before so okay. I wouldn't go on their transfer there, there's absolutely no chance you're going to get 11 million for a, for a 30 plus Nacho Monreal um, the, I, I kind of agree with what Gimli said I'm a, I'm a big Nacho fan He's still our best left back. Uh, anyone that listens knows I don't rate Kolasinac anyway. Um, yes, he's getting older. And the only way I would entertain selling him is if he said, look, I really want to go back to Spain. It's, it's home. I need to go back. Uh, I want to finish my career there or whatever. And it goes with what Gimli said. I wouldn't stand in his way if he, not forced his way out, but if he if he said, look, guys, I, I want to go. I, I need to get back home. Then I wouldn't stand in his way. Mm. But unless he absolutely made it clear he did not want to be at the football club anymore, I wouldn't even entertain offers for him unless they were of a value that is you're never going to get. And and also you've got to remember we would have to buy another left back because it would leave Kalasnac as our only one. And the I, I think as far as I know the Sociedad offer the rumours are I think of around six million. What are you going to who are you going to get for six million to replace him? Say you go for a second choice and Kalasnac becomes first choice, which I wouldn't be happy with. But let's just for the sake of argument say that happens. You've now got six million to go and buy a backup left back. Who do you buy that you're happy to cover for or to play every Europa League game and every cup game? Because no matter how much you rate Kalasanac or not, the one thing we all know is he's not fit enough. So he's not going to be playing two games a week every week. So when I say a backup left back, it's not someone that only plays in case of injury. It's someone that plays one in every three games pretty much guaranteed. Mm-hmm. What who do you buy for six million that fits them brackets? For me, that doesn't exist. Not many at all. I'm just looking. Who have we got there? Though what uh, Maitland Niles? He played a few few times there last year, didn't he? Yeah, but I think they've made it pretty clear that he's going to be a centre midfielder. Um, like that's his position. That's that's where he's going to be. 
Yeah, okay. So, we, yeah, you're dead right. We have to go and buy someone. Interesting. As I, said, um, I don't yeah. even think buying someone is the issue. I, I think if you're if you've got the six million, or let's go wild and say he does go for ten million, who are you going to buy that's going to play one in three games for ten million, and you're going to be comfortable with them at left back? I don't, I don't think that name's out there. I'll be interested to know if either of you have got a name for me, but I, I don't think that that person's out there. Nah, <laughs> Alaba. <laughs> Wish. Um. No, you got nothing. What about you, Uh Sorry, the first thing that popped into my head was it's coming home. Um, <laughs> sorry, Taz. <laughs> it is right. <laughs> uh. um, are we are we still on Monreal? Yeah. Um, no, I, I find it very difficult to expand on what Tony said, um, mm. unless he came out and said, "I want to go." Um, and it's just out of, of respect for him as a footballer for what he's done for our club um, and the trophies that he's won here. Very much like uh, Petr Cech at Chelsea, I wouldn't stand in his way of, of, of any decision to move if that was what he wanted. That's right. I only went to you very quickly so I could dig up some questions from Twitter. <laughs> so you feel you, that Basically, well. you, you, you put me on the spot. That's what it was. You could have just said, right, tell me someone you hate on Twitter. You'd have got at least 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boys. Uh, so we've got a couple of questions on Twitter. So defence, uh, Tony and Gimli. So we'll go Tony first. Uh, with Torreira signing, is there still a role for Shaka? As a fucking defence, I've seen this come through today. As a starter, especially if we don't go with the four-three-three flat. Uh, so if we go four-two-three-one, I think it leaves a lot of holes. It would ne- we'd need a few more signings. Uh, I would imagine if we do go four-two-three-one, I have a Ramsey gets pushed forward into a ten, which I'm not a fan of at all. But uh, Emery might be, and then you could still see Lucas and Jacka play together, or it would be. Um, Lucas and Ramsey as the two deep I personally don't think Ramsey works well with anyone um, if he's part of the two just because he's, his main asset is his fitness and his energy and if you're telling him to hold a position it kind of takes away probably one of well, one of his biggest strengths um, so I would go I would expect if they do go 4-2-3-1 you'd still probably see Ozil, Ozil from the right with our current players because we don't have anyone that can play on the right uh, and then Ramsey at 10 and uh, whoever it's going to be uh, Aubameyang or Mickey on the left with either Lacazette or Aubameyang up top um, I, I, and if we do that if we do go that way and, and it's labelled as a 4-2-3-1 with Ramsey in there it would become sort of a 4-3-3 or 4 and a flat 3 when we're defending and when we're attacking Ramsey would be seen as the sort of 10 role and Ozil would obviously have a free role um, so I think I think there will be a space for Xhaka in the team pretty much regardless of what formation we play. Um, but it's very difficult with Emery because I've not seen, especially, well, not, I've seen a lot of him at, at previous clubs, but I've not seen him with this group of players. So I've said this before, with Wenger, I always, well, most of us, but I always knew what he was going to favour. And, and when a sub, obviously the dugout's right in front of where I sit, when a sub stood up to get changed to come on, I knew who was going to come on what, how we would move the team to accommodate that person and I was pretty much right 99% of the time not because I'm a genius but because I'd seen it all before so it's very easy to predict 
with Emery, we've not seen him with these group of players. So I can say, I think he's going to do this. I think he's going to do that. But it is just what I think he's going to do and not based on previous historical what he has done. Okay. And uh, he's gone on defence, just to clarify, not implying that their profiles are the same, just just feel Shaka is too much of a luxury and wouldn't suit a pressing, pacey style. Oh, and by the way, Tez, I do like Shaka passing range and shooting. Um, Gimli, you got anything else to add on that, mate? Uh, so the original question, <coughs> is there still a role for Shaka as a starter, especially if we don't go with a 4-3-3 flat? Um, first and foremost, isn't it exciting to be sat here and not knowing what our formation's going to be, who's going to play? Um, we, we've never had this. Well, we have had it before, but it's been many, 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 many years since we've been that excited and, and maybe that confused about what's going to line up for us. But in terms of Xhaka, uh, he didn't do himself. He scored a goal at the World Cup, but that last goal that they conceded that put them out and he was called, was it, uh, he was called a disgrace by Phil Neville or something like that. I think that's a bit harsh, a but a joke. Um, I think he's going to find it very, very difficult to find starting, uh, to, to find starting spots if, uh, Torreira hits the ground running at Arsenal. Um, I think the one thing that you get from Xhaka is there's never any urgency in his play. Uh, granted, he can he can hit a mean shot and you know he has a great passing range. But in terms of winning the ball back, I think what we've missed at Arsenal for so long is is just a down gritty defensive midfielder who who is so scrappy and and kind of like an Angolo Kante at Chelsea type. Um, and if we can get that out of Torreira, I honestly think that Xhaka is going to find it very, very difficult to start. Um, in terms of Xhaka, I think it's kind of a shit or bust season for him at Arsenal. In the terms of, obviously, Emery's having a little bit of a play about with the team. Um, he's going to find his favourites and his starters. Um, and he's, he's going to really have to hit the ground running. But if he does nothing this season, I can quite well see him being sold next summer. Yeah, um... Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just reading breaking news, boys. Chris Davison has give us an update on that um, young player from the French league. He's ready. Oh, seems, yes. Seems like our new signing has a bit of a temper. So oh. we're all a bit worried, boys. All a bit worried about that. Okay, so that was tweeted one minute ago, and um, that's all we know about him. Other than that, we know fuck all. So thank you, Chris, for the update. I should say, just for the listeners, I told you the story as to why he was blocked. Uh, but Chris Davidson was blocked because he tweeted something. And I can't remember what it was, but I said something very horrible to him. And he wrote back to me, I may be an ITK account, but I still have feelings. And my <laughs> response to him, which got me blocked, was, your feelings and opinions matter very little to me. <laughs> and he blocked me for that. <laughs> well... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you're nice too. Um, I know. <laughs> Tony. On point as well. <laughs> Tony uh, is staying well out of this. Um, from Glenn, a regular listener. Thoughts of Emery's first week at the club? I'm loving the pictures from Chris Davison and him putting down. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm loving him putting putting down the foot and setting what he expects early will only make us better. It's what they need after Wenger's relaxed nature. 
See, look, this this is where, and this is nothing against Glenn because pretty much all of the internet seems to have this view. But this is where things are kind of annoying me. What Arsenal have done brilliantly, they've had excellent PR. We never used to see anything from training, and now we seemingly get in a, a seven to ten minute video every day. But let's remember, it's what they want us to see. They've not got a live two-hour camera where you can watch everything that goes on. And nor would I expect them to. But as I said, Wenger was often, very, very often, accused of working players too hard, which caused the injuries. Now, as, as Glenn just said, and as I said, I'm not digging him out. He said, oh, compared to Wenger's relaxed nature, it's nice to see them working hard. Hang on, wasn't you criticising Wenger for working them too hard? As I said, Arsenal as a club, at the PR machine have been excellent. And don't get me wrong, I've watched all of them videos and I've enjoyed them. But having been around, not Arsenal, but having been around football clubs or football players and knowing what they do in the first week of, of, of pre-season, there is nothing that them videos show that every other club doesn't do in pre-season, that Wenger wouldn't have done in pre-season. I, I could bring mates that play in League Two and show them that video and they would say, yeah, that's what we done last week. Beat test, bog standard, as... Someone said earlier, you do it in year seven at school, you do it in year 10 at school, you, you do it in school. And all, all of these drills, suicide runs, all of these drills. I mean, one of the drills they're showing in the thing, we do as a warm-up before every game. The, there's, there's two of them. There's the circle with two people in, one touch, try and keep the ball away from them. And then there's also a slightly bigger space, maybe 40 yards, and you do uh, four on four with two players floating. So whoever's got the ball has a six on four advantage. They've showed that in, in the videos that Arsenal was, have released. And people are going, fucking hell, look at that. Look at the way they keep the ball. That has been our warm-up for every single game of football. I'm not going to say the whole Wenger era because I can't remember how we were warming up when he first signed because I was young. But I've had a season ticket for eight years now. Every single game in those eight years, that is what our warm-up has been. Now suddenly, because Arsenal are filming it and releasing it, people are, it's fucking revolutionary. It's not. It's what we've always done. And again, I'm not trying to put a shitter on the start of the Emery era. I'm just trying to quell expectations where people go, oh, look at this new, innovative way of training. Not. It's mm. just training. Don't get me wrong. And it looks like, especially the assistant, whose name I forgot, um, it looks like he's involved and he's on their case. And uh, as I said, Arsenal always used to train behind closed doors. So I don't know if Wenger was like that. And that I do like seeing I do like someone on their case and, and pointing out technical mistakes. I say I like seeing it. I don't go as far as saying that never happened before because I don't fucking know if it happened before. Just, yeah, and I agree with what you're saying, but look, the problem is, and, and I don't know why these videos are coming out, I don't, who knows, it's obviously a new manager, new time for your club, but you've got to keep in mind, Arsenal... Even though you know we're passionate fans and we 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 thrive on everything Arsenal, they want to create the most powerfulest brand they can around the world. So, you know, by putting these videos out and whatnot, it's creating um, creating that brand with with the fans and and with people around the world. Like you, you look at Juventus, um, you know, just check your Netflix and there's Juventus documentaries running all over that. Uh, Manchester United. You know, they're creating these brands where, uh, like Real Madrid and Barcelona. So I like this from my club. Um, no, but that's uh, what I'm saying. I like it. Yep. And I, as I said, I like that I'm seeing this assistant, as I said, whose name I forgot, going around shouting at everyone. And I say, I like it. What I don't say is, why wasn't that happening before? Because yeah. me, you, none of us 
Never we don't know if that was happening before. Yeah. So that's my issue with it. It's not, I love that Arsenal putting out content. Let's be honest, it gives me something to watch as a bare minimum. Even if it's not interesting, it gives me a reason to watch something to do with Arsenal. But I just don't like that everyone has to compare every single thing that happened. At some point, it's going to come to all oh, that grass is slightly shorter. Look how he's instructed the groundsman. Not everything has to be compared. The Wenger era is gone. We can look back at it fondly or not, depending on your viewpoint. Now it's a new era. You don't have to compare everything to what you've done before. When you buy a new car, you don't, for the first year of having it, go, oh, look, every time you put your foot down, oh, that's quicker than my old car. Your old car's gone. Just look forward. That's right, correct. Um, but, and I'll just go with me and Gimli were having a conversation before we started recording the podcast. What are you going to do, Gimli, if you see a hashtag Amory out if he loses the first five games? I'm going to destroy that person on Twitter. Uh, first and foremost, he's inquired a, a club that in, it's not in turmoil, but it's it's in recovery from the Arsene Wenger era. I mean, there's many great things in place, um, but Emery takes over the club. He's, he's put his own stamp on it. There are people that were hired before um, he took over. Um, and I think first and foremost, he needs time. Um, we've got a couple of hard games coming up. Um, first couple of games of the season and I think we just need to enjoy the moment. In terms of um, the club putting out press things, the club want us to look at this new era and they and they want to give us those videos and they want to get us involved in the players and, and there's also that we're in, a, we're in a pre-season you know, when Arsenal don't play I don't know about you boys but the World Cup has been more like a a tranquilizer than anything uh it doesn't come anywhere near to arsenal football club and and a national international football is nowhere near as good as arsenal but to be involved in it and to see training videos it is nice mm. I, you know i'm not gonna lie but i'm with tony we've got to we've got to put arsene wenger in the past uh everything's changed the only thing that is the constant really are the players and once he's had his say on there Let's see how many of them are left. But let's just embrace it and uh, stick together in this time and, and, and support the club and the manager. Mate, you're talking to a bloke. You mentioned about the World Cup, and I'm loving the World Cup. Mate, but you're talking mm. to a bloke who was that desperate for some football. I was watching the MLS. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, now, that's a league. That's a different league altogether, that is. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, where are we? Uh, I'll, I'll stick with you for a minute, um, Gimli, because Shri asks, what do you guys think of the goalkeeping standards this World Cup? And the reason I'm sticking here because Tony's ridden off every other goalkeeper. So um, there has been a stark decline in quality as compared to 2014, in his opinion. I, I, I agree. Um, I think you've got a lot of goalkeepers that can do it at their clubs, but maybe when it comes to internationals, can't. I mean, the the example of that would be David De Gea. Uh, Man United, would they have finished where they did if they didn't have David De Gea in a goal? Hell no, they wouldn't. But he, to be honest, he embarrassed himself at the World Cup, didn't he? He, he was poor, yeah. Very poor. Yeah, you know, poor. Uh, I should give a shout-out to David Espina as well, because even though... Uh, he is uh, out of the tournament. He went the right way for every single England penalty, didn't he? He did, yeah. Did yeah. anyone, did yeah, anyone no, he else did. see that? He did. But no, it, 
to answer the question, I think, yeah, goalkeeping standards have dropped. Why is that? God knows. Maybe it's a dying art. The form of the goalkeeper is a dying art. Maybe we go out and we win football matches by scoring goals and say, simply, we'll score more than you. I'll just Vindaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I was just looking at the... Who's the Croatia, Croatia goalkeeper? I thought he's been very good. Uh, Super Yeah, I thought he's been very good. Um, and the Russian bloke plays for Russia. I thought he's been okay. I can fire. Yeah, she's your on it, mate. Um, yeah, but I agreed. De Gea, he has been... Yeah. Uh, but you watch. He'll go back to Manchester United. He will have a fantastic season and be player of the season for like the fucking fifth time running. You can guarantee it. Mm. Nothing cert- nothing, nothing's more certain. Tony, I will ask you, um, is there an outstanding goalkeeper that comes to mind in this World Cup? Uh, no, I think, as I said earlier, I think Pickford, if you're making a team of the tournament, Pickford, you'd probably be hard-pressed to not put him in it. But that, I don't think he's been outstanding. Um, Portois made some very good saves. The save from Neymar at the end of the game was unbelievable. Um, he made a few, like... I'm not sure if they were going in, but Douglas Costa was cutting across and, and smashing balls across the face of the goal. Um, but again, that's, no one's been outstanding. There's no one you look at and go, wow, what a keeper. Or well, I don't think there has been. Oh, there's um, been one. What, Pickford? No, no, Matthew Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's chasing his signature. No, but as I said, if if you're picking a keeper of the tournament, yeah, I think it's one of them. You could ask fifty people and get obviously not fifty different answers, but no one would say no. No one would get no keeper would get fifty percent of the votes because there's not been a standout on on the level as a whole. Drop in, I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember 2014 um, too well. But I mean, you can think of. I wasn't. Oh, it's the first time I've consistently watched Allison, and I know you watch him quite a lot with Roma. Yeah. I wasn't overly impressed. I've seen him in the odd game before, and I've seen him make outrageous saves and whatnot. But when I've watched every Brazil, I've watched every game of the tournament, um, and I wasn't. I don't think Allison wasn't particularly impressive. Mate, I agree um, with you. He did not have a good World Cup. I don't think compared to where no, he was at Roma. He, he looked very shaky, uh, very unsure of himself. Um, but I don't know if I would say there's been a standard drop off as a whole but then that might be based on I can't really remember the standard of 2014 I can tell you the names of the keepers that were there but not not how well everyone performed um, and I don't think there's been too many again this this might just maybe my memory let me down but obviously there was a Mussolera one the other day there was the De Gea one from Ronaldo's shot but I don't think there's been too many like glaring errors like huge huge keeper errors uh, obviously, I've just named them two, and, and there, there may be others. But I can't really remember. Chesney che- on- had one, didn't he? Chesney had one in one of the Poland's first game. I think it might have been. Oh, oh he yeah, built to Monday yeah. and Monday yeah. tapped in yeah. in front of him. Yeah, he was very, he was very poor too. I think. I yeah, he, World he, Cup. Yeah, he wasn't the best, but I, I think so. I mean, we've we've come up with three, and look, there definitely is more that we just can't remember. But I think in in a, a tournament so high profile with. Some teams that, let's be honest, really aren't that good, and and their keepers really aren't that good. I think three is probably half of the course. You, you're never going to go for a tournament with no keeper errors. I think what has been surprising is, as uh, you both just mentioned, they've come from a big name like the Haya. It had that same mistake been made by the Saudi Arabia, Arabia keeper, 
I don't think people would say the standard of keeping as a whole has gone down. I think it's just because the mistakes have come from, if not big name keepers in De Gea, like Muslera probably isn't a big name keeper, but he plays for a big, big name side in it that you expect to do well. So I think uh, the, the the judgment is probably clouded by the mistakes are coming from the big names, not small names. A grubby Spurs keeper for France. He's, he hasn't been too bad. He made a really good save the other day. Yeah. Really good save from it was a header from a Jimenez, I think, and then Godin punted it over the bar. Quarto, he's been Quarto, he's he's been all right too. For Belgium, yeah, he nearly made a mistake against Japan where he kind of let it seep through his legs and dived in it on the line. But as I said he made a, the save from Neymar. Um, at 2-1 in I think the 89th or 90th minute was a top draw save and it was going in and that if you get to extra time and you've come from 2-0 down usually you'd say there's only going to be one winner and it's the team that have just come from 2-0 down not the team that have been 2-0 up so I think that was probably a vital save Um, look no keeper I would agree that no keepers set the world alight but I, I also don't think anyone's been tragically bad and I think I, I kind of disagreed with all the people hammering De Gea. He made that one mistake, and I know the stat going around is he only made one save, but that was from a one-on-one against Morocco. Um, but none of the goals he conceded, bar that Ronaldo one, you could label any form of blame. I think three of them were penalties. There was obviously the Ronaldo penalty, the Ronaldo free kick, uh, the, the header in the Morocco game was an absolute bullet. Uh, the other goal in the Morocco game was the player ran at him one-on-one from the halfway line because I think PK or Ramos made a mistake. And then the Russia game was a penalty. So I know the, the stat looks shit that he's made he's faced seven shots on target and six have gone in. But when you look at them shots on target, to be honest, they probably all should have been goals except the Ronaldo one. And obviously, unfortunately for him, he did make a big mistake. Mm-hmm. what You talked about bloody quality of the World Cup and that, you know, look, this has been a lot of shit games. What's it going to be like when there's, what is it, 48 teams? Yeah, I mean, look, it's criminal. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know how much you follow the Euros being in in Australia, but they just increased that, and it was an absolute. It's not. It's not even just the amount of teams. It was the way you get through your groups because, obviously, if two teams go through, it doesn't fit. Uh, the way with the Euros, it was that's eight. Right. It was yeah. 24, yeah, 24 teams. So if 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 eight if two teams go from each group, that's twelve. That's not not a quarter. So then they have to start putting third places through, but then not every third place can go through. So it goes on the amount of points you've got in your group, but then you could be stung by some team has a really good group and then another team has a shit group. Like Portugal winning the Euros, and don't look, they, just, well, they arguably deserve to win it, but they only won one game in normal time, I think. Mm. And that was against Wales in the semi when they were good. But three draws will get you through your group. I'm struggling like, to remember back that far. And that's the issue when they start introducing more teams. It's not just the quality of the teams, it's the whole format gets fucked up. There was a team I remember that got two draws, and I thought, shit, they should have gone through. It might have been two draws and a win or something. Oh, no, you would go through with five. But it's like, say say they go to 48 teams, just for example. So two teams from each group go through, that's 24. Then suddenly you're going to have to start introducing more teams because 24, obviously half the teams go out 12, six, and then you'd end up three teams in the semifinal. Mm. Obviously, you can't have three teams. So at some point, you're going to have to start introducing not only 48 teams, so some of them are going to be weaker, but you, just the whole format gets fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's be interesting. It'd be good to have a good for betters, though. I'll have, I might win some money. Fuck, I won nothing this World Cup. Oh, I've cleaned oh, I, up. I, I fake all my bets uh, according oh, to. Oh, you, um, you faked all your bets, didn't you, Tony? <laughs> yeah, according to Gunas in here, I say I've never placed a bet in my life. I just uh, 
uh, I'm very good at editing photos and um, Photoshop. Yes, I, yeah, and which is hilarious because anyone that listens to this will know that like I'm the least technical person ever. <laughs> you and Schwinn do all the work. I just turn up and talk. <laughs> um, you said you cleaned up, Give me. Oh yeah, I've had a few nice bets. I put fifty pound on France the other day. Very good. It's just been a nice World Cup to sit down and watch. And also on on that point as well, I think it's really nice to see that Russia, when they've been written off, and I myself wrote them off, said, why the fuck are you giving them a World Cup? Mm. But they've done a really, really good job of it. I've seen minimal fighting. From what I've seen, everybody just seems to be enjoying the event or the spectacle of what is a World Cup. And uh, they've done it really well, and they've done themselves proud. Um, And I think, you know, there was a lot of question marks going into it, and they've answered all of those questions. Um, And and they've, like I said, they've done themselves proud. Yeah, no, it's been good good to watch. Um, Okay, I've just got one more question. Defence, I won't ask you about your formation one, because we went back, we went right into that one with Tony... And Gimli, so um, but Gimli, Brad's asked, "What do you guys? What do you guys think of our our fan base? Seems to be split on our new signings. We get criticised for not having leaders and experienced players. So when we buy one like uh, Lich, he say, okay, our fans complain that we bought a thirty-four year old." Um, no, I think uh, I, I I see the logic behind every single signing. Um, you know, I, I saw a tweet last night um, that someone put in the last three windows we have signed Lacazette, Aubameyang, Kalasinac, Leno, Lichtensteiner, Socrates, Mavropanos and Torreira to replace Giroud, Alexis, Gibbs, Aspina, Debushi, Kashani, Mertesack and Coughlin. I'm sorry, I will go into this because it actually holds relevance. Now, I would have taken Lacazette over Giroud. Everybody agree? Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aubameyang over Alexis. Yep. yep. Kalasinac over Gibbs. Yep. Yep. Okay. Aspina. Uh, Leno over Aspina. Yep. Okay. Uh, Lichtensteiner over Debushi. Yep. Yeah. Socrates over Kashani. Yep. Mavropano. It's debatable, but yeah. we're getting there. Mavropano. Mavropanos to over Mertzaka. Uh, Everybody would. Yeah, yeah. See, see you that, have that, to. That, that, one, that one's a bit difficult because Mavropanos is not for the here and now and obviously the Mertzaka. Like that performance Mertzaka put in the FA Cup final, I wouldn't expect Mavropanos to do that. But in terms of you looking long-term for the club, then yeah. True, true. And, and the final one would be Tierra, uh, Torreira and Coquelin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, if, if that's the issue then to the people that are having a whinge what the fuck are you moaning about <laughs> like exactly. obviously uh, that's boiled it's down to his simplest form players come players go people want to leave people want to move on whatever happens happens as long as you can say that the, repl- the players that have gone you've replaced with either better or for the future then where's, why are we moaning well I'm not moaning but why yeah, are they yeah. moaning I don't know some people just fucking love an excuse for a moan and <laughs> if, if anyone's still moaning listen to the last two minutes of this podcast and shut the fuck up <laughs> my uh, to, to, to kind of counteract that and I've, look, I've not moaned about any of the signings and I think there's been a reason for every signing uh, especially this window so as long as you can find a reason to be there and you don't think why the fuck are we signing that guy 
then then you've got to be half happy with it. Um, so I've not moaned at all. And uh, the question said people moaning, and the only one I've seen a moan about is Lich Steiner, which, again, I don't really understand why people are moaning because he was better than no one because we have no second-choice right-back. But when you're going over your comparisons of player for player, like Kim just did, and, and he's right, we all pretty much agreed that all of our ins were better than all of our outs. What we will and is annoying some fans is two that you missed off there were probably apart what well, Alexis technically went on the three. Uh, you missed off the two most valuable ones, and they've not been replaced. So if you look at obviously Oxley Chamberlain and Theo Walcott, so it looks like we've upgraded. We've got rid of a load of players and that aren't really worth much and upgraded Alexis aside, um, but then we've not particularly the the ones we've sold for money. We've not even we've just not replaced at all, really. It's not only it's not that we've just replaced them on the cheap. We just haven't replaced them, so our squad numbers are actually quite light. Yeah, we've got to we've got to get a right back, a right right wing in. But who's yeah. who's but, there? This Gleason Martins, he still comes up. But I, I saw um, Ornstein tweeted, didn't he? He said uh, that Torreira is expected to come in next week. And bar a youngster, um, who obviously that seems to be this kid from Lorient, uh, don't expect any more business at Arsenal. Now, I know things can change if players leave, but as it stands, you know, he's been pretty reliable, Ornstein has. You know, there's not much that he tweets that doesn't happen. So, I mean, if this is it, are we all happy? Well, I'd I, I just go on two things there. One, uh, Ornstein is, uh, and people didn't say it's changed. I don't think it has. He's always been the mouthpiece. So, he puts in the press what Arsenal want you to hear. And Arsenal have always been notoriously quiet about um, deals being done. So I'd be absolutely amazed if we're done and that Ornstein tweet is correct. I, I expect Arsenal want the world to think we're done, but they're still heavily involved. We've been linked with too many people, especially all in the same position. When you look at people like Nzonzi, Benega, uh, Golovin, when you're linked with that many centre midfielders, it's probably because you're looking around or you're at least interested in or putting feelers out about centre midfielder I think I've never got all this on on steam hype on Twitter for me I see him as a, a confirmer that when he says it he very rarely get he says something's done and it doesn't happen I think that almost never happens because he's fed by the club apart from that I don't really take much notice of what he says uh on to the second part of your question if if we are done now and he is correct am I happy I am not a hundred percent satisfied I am happier than I was on the last day of last season. So is it an improvement? Yes. Am I completely satisfied? No, because I still think there's glaring holes in the squad. Uh, if the team is finished, though, boys, where look, and I, you know, I don't want to put a negative spin on anything here, but where do we finish with these players? And Dean has Arsenal Nexus has just confirmed that uh, Torreira is done and he's doing his medical now. The, the word done the word done is the worst word in football if he's doing his medical now it is not done people stop saying done until something is fucking done you don't say my dinner's in the oven it's done no it's done when you take it out of the fucking oven and it's done that's when it's done it's the done when you done, put it in your mouth yeah it, honestly the word done in football is the most fucking annoying word because people go, people go oh he's agreed terms it's done no he hasn't had a medical he hasn't signed anything it's not done and I don't, anyone that follows us closely will know I never, ever use the word done when I'm talking about a transfer until 
the players holding the shirt up. Even with Socrates, even though I knew it was done, and I say done in brackets, I would never say that because until it's been put through the transfer system, uh, which everyone has to send the transfer system to the to the FA, the Premier League, and UEFA when they're registering a player. Until that's happened, it's not done. I don't know. I mean, Tez, I don't know if you'll remember this game. You probably will. Arsenal signed a player called Hector Fabian Carini. He was a keeper. He was on the Arsenal website, new signing. It still wasn't fucking done because the forms hadn't gone in and it ended up falling through. So the word done in football is for me an absolute nonsense. And when it's done, we don't need tweets from, and this is nothing against Dean, not that I'm his biggest fan, but it's nothing against him. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> when it when it is actually done, I don't need him to tweet it because Arsenal have told me, and it's twenty million followers or however many they have. Um, so yeah, just on that, the word "done" is bullshit. Okay. Um, I know that wasn't your question, but it no, really fucked no, me. No, you, you fucked me. Forgot what my question was. Now, what was I saying? Yeah. Anyway, who cares? Anyway, boys, it's been a wrap. It's been lovely. Um, let's finish it up on that note. Gimli, thank you yes. for joining us, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. And you'll be uh, joining us uh, throughout the season when we're yep. when you're available. I am signed exclusively to you, uh, so this is the place. This is the only place you will be able to hear me if uh, if you think I speak some truth. <laughs> we can say that the signing of Gimli. The signing of Gimli is done. <laughs> it is done. It is officially done. You'll even find that it is in my bio on Twitter. I um, I have changed my bio and everything, so it is confirmed and done. Right. As long, all I now, all I want now is the unreliable Gunner. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, I'll do it now. <laughs> um, and thank you, as always, Tony. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, my role in this podcast is done. Is done, and Schwinn will be back next week with us. Uh, you've been listening to the Clock and Talk. You can follow us at uh, Clock and underscore Talk on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and uh, see you later. Coming home. Bye bye. <laughs>